Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 342 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Today's podcast is brought to you by ProMedia Fire. You can book a free digital strategy session today at promediafire.com forward slash church growth and by craft and character. I'll be speaking along with some other church communicators in an interactive dialogue you can participate in June 4th by going to craftandcharacter.org. Well, my guest today is Nikki Gumbel and uh, Nikki's an absolute delight. He's a former barrister attorney uh, turned vicar and he leads Holy Trinity Brompton and also Alpha worldwide. Alpha is something that over 20 million Christians have been through and millions have found faith in. And uh, Nikki talks today about how he's changed his mind about online ministry. He was someone who really believed they never had online church and they're one of the uh, largest and fastest growing churches in all of England. And he didn't believe in online church and he wasn't really convinced Alpha could be anything but an in-person event. And of course, with all the events that have happened, uh, they had to go online or chose to go online and it totally changed his mind about what God can do in online ministry. So if you're one of those skeptics, and I've, I've run into quite a few of them, to be honest with you, who thinks that the only way you can really do ministry, like real ministry is in person, or real services are in person, um, you're going to love this episode. Uh, Nikki is the Vicar of Holy Trinity Brompton, a Church of England congregation. They hold 11 Sunday services on five sites. Alpha has now been in 169 countries, and he is also the author of my favorite uh, Bible devotional, The Bible in One Year. He and his wife, Pippa, run that at thebibleinoneyear.org. Nikki Redlaw at Trinity Cambridge. Yes, the Cambridge. I love how the British say this, right? I read law. I didn't take law. I didn't study law. I read it. Uh, which is actually, there's a whole academic history behind that. But anyway, he studied theology at Oxford and practiced as a barrister for a number of years. And he's written many, many books. And I'm so thrilled to have him on the podcast today. Hey, if you are looking for an event to really change your communication style, including how to speak online effectively, how to speak to an empty room, but probably more importantly, how to grow your character along with your platform, Steve Carter, Hosanna Wong, Darius Daniel, Sean Morgan, and I are hosting something called Craft and Character. It is not a talking head online conference, which you have seen ad nauseum. This is a dialogue and you're invited. And we'll be taking live questions, taking you behind the scenes, and you can register for it at craftandcharacter.org. So you'll want to do that quickly because it's coming up on June 4th. And then Promediafire realizes that the future is digital. And even if you can resume in-person services, let's be honest, to go back on what you've got online right now is probably a mistake. And if you're not convinced, well, just hang on for the interview. But you're saying, well, Carrie, yeah, but budget's tight. What do I do? Well, head on over to promediafire.com forward slash church growth because the church growth program provides your church with a digital coach, a creative team, a web team, and a social team for less than the cost of a staff hire. Your church can have an entire team of professionals, including digital strategists and a creative framework that will help your church grow online. The strategy session with them is free. So book it now at promediafire.com forward slash church growth. 
And before we jump into my conversation with Nikki, you know by now that some organizations are going to thrive in the new normal and others won't. I think pivoting is the key to strength because in the current uncertainty, flexibility is ability and agility is a superpower. And so I've got this program, which changes tomorrow. The price goes up uh, midnight tomorrow called the 30-Day Pivot. It's a framework. It's a simple three-step process that I will walk you and your team through. Uh, and it will position you to really be able to make decisions quickly and to move quickly on an ongoing basis with or without a crisis. It's called the 30-Day Pivot. It's the same framework I've used to pivot the podcast, to provide a free course to leaders. And uh, we've moved things under this framework as quickly from idea to execution in 10 days. So it's a simple framework. If you haven't checked it out yet, go to the30daypivot.com. Check it out now. The price goes up tomorrow. We have some very, very special introductory pricing at the30daypivot.com. Well, without further ado, I am so excited to have Nikki Gumbel on the podcast. Here's our conversation. Nikki, welcome to the podcast. I have been excited for this moment for a long time, and uh, I'm so glad you took the time to be with us today. Oh, thank you, Kerry. It's always lovely to see you and great to reconnect with you, uh, even it if is. it's by Zoom. Yeah, even if it is by Zoom. Last year, we were at Leadership Conference and had the uh, tremendous opportunity to have tea with you and Pippa at, your, at the Vicarage. I love that. That's a great uh, term <laughs> at Holy Trinity Brompton. Uh, but here we are by Zoom and the world is uh, slowly reopening. Uh, I would love to just start by asking, how has this crisis that we're all in impacted you and Pippa and your team? Like, what has the personal impact been for you? I think it, it's it's mixed. I think like for most people, there's a mixed response. At, at one level, Pippa had lung cancer in um, November, so she had an operation uh, to have some cancer removed from her lungs. So she... Uh, and we're not as young as we'd like to think we look or like we feel. So uh, at, she is in the, in the vulnerable category. And I think then when we heard about this lung disease and uh, I think the initial act, reaction was like fear. You know, what, what happens if, if, if she gets this? And, uh, and I, I went, I, like my, my day starts with like the Bible in one year. I love to, the first thing I want to hear from God. So I, read the Bible, and I love that. And then I go out and I do a walk around our local park. That's how I pray. I find it that's the best way to pray. And just as I started to pray, I, I don't often feel I really hear, like, not it isn't the audible voice of God, but it's as close as it gets to that, saying, why are you so afraid? Hmm. Who, of you, who of you by worrying can add one hour to your life? And it was a real challenge. And then, then I, I realized that that, of course, comes from uh, when the storm, when um, uh, the disciples are in the boat and a huge um, storm comes up and Jesus said, says, where is your faith? Yes, and that's what I felt. That was the actual words was, where is your faith? Mm. Um, and that in, in that passage, it's, why are you so afraid? Um, so, but the words that I actually sense at that moment is, where is your faith? And it was a real challenge to me to, to realize that, that, so I spoke about choose faith over fear. And it was really preaching to myself. Um, and I think that's what we have to do in times like that. We choose faith over fear. And we have to, uh, we can either look at the storm, or keep looking at the news, which is the storm, and then you feel fear rises. Or you keep looking to Jesus, who was asleep in the boat. He wasn't worried. <laughs> um, um, and um, uh, Jesus is able to calm the storm. 
Um, and some, as you know, sometimes he calms the storm and sometimes he calms us in the storm. And so but that's been a challenge for us personally to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And then I think at the, at the sort of bigger level, at the sort of um, what's going on in, in our world, it's horrible. It's terrible. Uh, I, was, I was on the phone with a pastor friend whose his father is you know, on a ventilator right now. I have um, you know, members of our congregation have been very sick. Uh, we have one death, which we don't know, was of a 24-year-old, which could be COVID-19, oh. we don't know. Um, but we have other friends who've been on ventilators. It's been, uh, it's been, and we, I think all of us know people whose relations have died through, through this. Um, I was with one yesterday whose, whose grandfather died uh, with COVID-19. So it's, it's horrible and it's an, an evil disease. But at the same time, when you think about it, God took the, the greatest tragedy in the history of the world was the cross, the crucifixion of the Son of God. But God used that to, and turned it into the greatest triumph. And God can use any kind of evil for good. And I, I think that God is using this in many, many different ways for good. Mm. And one of those is getting people's attention. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, some of the good things that have come out of this, but I appreciate that. And, you know, we have a, a very close friend who is also in that vulnerable category. And like Pippa, you know, not, uh, not elderly at all or anything, but just, yeah, I understand that. In London, we had your good friend Ken Costa on recently on the show. And, you know, he was still in deep quarantine. So London has been particularly hard hit. And for those who, who may be new to you, uh, and I know so many leaders who, who know exactly who you are, uh, but you're right in the heart of London. I mean, you can walk to Hyde Park. You're a great follow on Instagram. I love it when you show me pictures of Hyde Park. You can, you're a five-minute walk away from that. And Buckingham Palace is just down the road, et cetera, et cetera. So you're right in the heart of London. And um, when you have led for a number of decades in the church, but this is the first time, and you have numerous campuses. So for those who don't know Holy Trinity Brompton, I've been to a few of your locations. It's amazing to see the renewal work God is doing through Holy Trinity Brompton and through the churches that you support and plant. But I'd love to know what your personal reaction was when that first moment when you realized we are not going to be able to meet in person. Like that was unprecedented. This has never happened in any of our lifetimes. Yes, I think for us it was uh, it was like the month of March felt like a year or 10 years, actually. It was kind of like every day seemed like a month, and so much happened. But we had one Sunday where we realized we've got to go online. So I think it was the 12th of March, the day, the day that I preached on Choose Faith Over Fear. We were still in the church, uh, but only with a very small percentage of our congregation still coming, and we went online for the first time. Hmm. Next Sunday, we I, 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 was, I, I think it was like, that Sunday was a, like a different type, a different animal, um, but it, it was it was it's still something where it's like the difference between a horse and a camel, really. That, and, but then 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 we went to something that was completely different. We couldn't even film in the church. Oh well, the, no, I think it was a, it, you could say that was a different type of horse. The next Sunday really was a camel because we we filmed in the church, um, but uh, we had no no one there at all, and that was really very different. That was the camel, I guess. And then the following Sunday, we couldn't even get into the church. So we were filming from home. That's more like a giraffe. So it was like we changed, the, the, the format changed so fast. And 
yeah, we had to pivot. And actually, mm. you know, there's been a bad side, of course, of, of this horrible virus, but there's also been quite an exciting side of it. And the pivoting, the entrepreneurial, the, the creativity, I love that side of it. And the fact that, I mean, and actually, in some ways, it's so much easier. And we have, like, we, we do one service on Sunday. We, do, we used to do 11, 11 or 12 services on Sunday um, on five different campuses. And I would be on my bike going between the different sites. For many years, I was doing that. It, it was complicated. And it meant that I couldn't really preach because it was just too complicated to do it. Whereas now, we have one service. It's like so simple. And we spend all week in creativity and producing something. And it's really fun. It's really interesting. And, um, and I have felt that, I, that whereas you know, at the leadership conference, Craig Rochelle was one yeah. of our speakers. And I said to Craig, you know, how many times do you preach a year? And he said something like 46 times a year. And then he said to me, how many times do you preach a year? So I said, I preach twice a year, but I'm trying to cut down. <laughs> so that was how it was before. But now I sort of feel I, I kind of need to speak to our, well, to reassure our congregation. And, and also we've, we've decided to pivot our services to people outside of the church. This is what we've discovered. A whole lot of people who would never go to church are watching online. So my friends from the gym, and one of the things I, I miss is, my friends from the gym because I yeah. have a whole group of friends totally outside the church. See them with friends I played squash with, friends that you know I, I've known for years, but they they've never come to church. But I think now quite a few of them are watching. In fact, I bumped into them one of them. We're allowed to exercise, and I I went past one of them who was running near here, and he said, "Oh, ever since your first service when you invited people into your home, I've been watching every week." And I thought, "Wow, this is amazing! So many people." Trisha Neal, who was who is the president of Alpha, she came to faith in 1993 on an Alpha course. And she's a tennis player. And she plays every Saturday with her friends. And right away, she said to her friends, you must come to Alpha. You must come and see. And uh, she couldn't get into church. <laughs> she couldn't get into Alpha. When we went online, they started watching on Sunday. When she asked them to Alpha, they, she said it was like, you know, dominoes go, going up. They all came. She's got... She runs, so we run Alpha morning and evening every Wednesday now. Uh, and we start a new course, two new courses every week because there's, there's so many people who want to do it. And she has a group on Wednesday morning of nine of her tennis friends, all of whom said they'll come. Who she could never get before. No, never get that before. Plus another one, one of the friends has asked a friend. So they're 10, 10 guests. And the friend who brought her to, to Alpha in the first place, she and her friend are running this group with 12 of them, the 10, the 10 guests, the 10 guests and the two, two hosts. So there's a just extraordinary opportunity. It's so much easier to, um, it's, it's a bridge, I think. I, now I've got a friend in, in uh, Manchester who's a, an amazing pastor of a church called Audacious. And uh, he was telling me they've been online for five years. And what they found was, Every week, they were getting, on average, 85 new people. Mm-hmm. And when you talk to those 85 new people, nearly all of them had been watching online before they came to church. So it's a break. People can look and see. They can watch the service. They can see whether they like it and get comfortable with it, and then they can start coming to church. So we would never go back to not having services online. 
Did you have an online presence prior to that, Nikki? We had no online presence. So you had to attend. No, I, I, I didn't approve of online. Well, not when I didn't approve. I, I didn't, I didn't disapprove of other people doing it, but I didn't approve of us doing it because I felt we would be getting people. It might stop people going to church, or even stop people going to their local church because they would think, "Oh, well, we just watch online in New Zealand." And rather than going to their church in New Zealand. So I didn't, I, I hadn't seen, I was so wrong. This, what this has shown me is I've been so wrong about so many things. And um, yeah. I'm learning. Uh, and, and my ideas have changed so much because uh, I, I simply hadn't seen all the benefits of, of being online. I'd only seen the downside. Can we unpack that a little bit? What have you changed your mind about in the last few months? What's, what's, what's this done to what you're now thinking about uh, God would use? Well, I would never go back to not having Sunday online, hmm. uh, partly because of uh, uh, my friend who has 85 new people every week because they started watching online. But more than that, I do a podcast with my daughter on faith and equality. And we it's really about gender equality. It's about ethnicity, uh, race. It's that, but But it's also about disability. And we did our first podcast with someone who's exactly the same age as my daughter. Uh, she was, until she was 18, she was very active sport, in sport, very gifted sports person um, and training and wanting to be a doctor. And then she got this connective tissue disorder, which has meant that she has been, uh, for the last 14 years, she's been in and out of hospital. And she literally cannot leave home. Um, and she said to me on this podcast, Thank you so much for your services online, because for the first time, I can come and be part of them. And I said wow. to her, Sally, if it's only for you, we will never stop doing services online. So I, that's, if it's for Sally only, I will never stop doing services online. Because I hadn't seen that there are all these people who want to be in church. We're not depriving them, them of going to some other church. They can't get anywhere, even with all the things that we have now, you know, disabled lifts, uh, ramps, etc. They still can't get there if they have a, a serious disability as Sally ha has. So yes, we will continue to do services online, even if it's just for her. What um, can you unpack a little bit more of your logic pre-COVID as to because you're not alone. There's a lot of people. I've had so many conversations with church leaders who are like, "We're not going to do online because we want people to be there in person," and then. I do want to spend some time unpacking Alpha Online because I think that probably rocked you even a little bit more than, than that. But let's unpack the old thinking a little bit more because uh, I'd love to know in your mind why you kept telling your team, no, nah, we're not going to do that. We're not going to go there. Well, I don't think we'd ever discussed it, to be perfectly oh, honest. Okay. I, don't we, I don't think we'd really ever talked about um, doing it online. I just, in my mind, uh, I just wasn't interested in it. But with Alpha... Uh, we had talked about it, um, and I had, so we have, three and a half years ago, we had a, had a new CEO. We never really had a CEO before of Alpha, but we, we uh, Matthew Neville has arrived yes. as the new CEO of Alpha. And for those who, who just, Nikki, I'm sorry to interrupt, but for those who don't know what Alpha is, if we're going to go there, can you give us the thumbnail of what Alpha is? Most of our listeners are American, and Alpha is taking over in America, but it's much more... Uh, experience globally. So just so that everyone knows what's what's uh, up. 
Alpha's an opportunity to explore the meaning, the purpose of life. It's designed for people who don't go to church, people who wouldn't call themselves Christians, and the basic format is people come for a meal, they hear a talk, they have coffee, and they go into small groups. And the talks are on who is Jesus, why did he die, how can I have faith, Bible, prayer, guidance. There's a weekend about the Holy Spirit, talks about how you can make the most of the rest of your life, talks about what is church and so on. So it's, it's a basic introduction uh, to faith. And how many weeks is it now, including the weekend away, like the actual retreat? Like 15 sessions. Four so of them are 15 the weeks of in-person yeah, so it's 11 attendance. Weeks, really. It's 11 weeks with a weekend in the middle. So it takes 10 weeks, 10 weeks in one day uh, to, be, uh, to, to do the whole course. And an alpha evening is like a three-hour event with dinner. and. Uh, normally you would arrive at um, 7 o'clock for food and it would finish at 9.15. Okay. So it's like two and a quarter hours of which the first part is supper. Then it's the, uh, we'd have some little, little bit of singing and um, a talk for like 25 minutes and then discussion for, for somewhere around 45 minutes to an but hour. But you're committing the whole evening. You don't just drop in and drop out. No, no. And we ran it originally in, in, in our own local church and we found we were getting so many people from outside of the church coming to faith in Jesus. And then it spread. I mean, my, that was my background was I, w- I wasn't a Christian. I was, I was an atheist and I encountered Jesus. That changed my life. So I want as many people as possible to have the experience that I have of encountering Jesus. So that's, that's what, hence my enthusiasm for it. Because I tried so many different ways to introduce my friends. And I, they, most of them had been fairly unproductive, whether it was like knocking on doors or questionnaires, which started off with... First question, what did you have for breakfast? Last question, would you like to ask Jesus into your life? And it, it, it didn't really, it, it wasn't massively fruitful. Uh-huh. What I found with Alpha was we had all these people coming to faith and lives being changed and the church being changed because suddenly you had all the average age 27, vast majority of the guests aged between 18 and 35. And suddenly we had all these young people piling into the church encountering Jesus, being filled with the Spirit, getting excited about Jesus, asking their friends on the next course. So uh, that was back in October 1990. And Mm -hmm. it it just grew and it spread then to every country in the world. And then we put it onto film and then we made a film series. And um, and it's just, it's continued to grow in every part of the church. Fastest growing now probably in the Catholic church, but also running in every type of Pentecostal church, Hillsong running, and there's no, there is, I don't know, any, any church or denomination, any type of church or denomination that is, of course, not every church will, will run it, but, but every different, there isn't, it's not like the Presbyterians won't do it or the Baptists won't do it yeah. or the Methodists or the, the Orthodox, Coptic Orthodox run Alpha. You know, it's like in every part of the Church of Jesus Christ. And that was an astonishing thing. We never planned that. It was something that, and we had, over the years, we've had to sort of work a little bit on the material to make sure there's nothing that isn't, that isn't acceptable, both to the Catholic Church and the Salvation Army. And that, you know, that is, is some of But basically, the course, as it existed, was acceptable. There were tiny tweaks that we need to, needed to make. So it spread around the world. And pre-COVID, how many people had taken Alpha over the last almost 30 years? Well, I mean, it's, it's way over 20 million. Uh, yeah. You know, some, some 
that we know of. I mean, we, like some countries we don't we don't uh, have have any data because sure. it's better not to. But this is this has become a global phenomenon. Yeah, it's in pretty well every. It's probably in every country in the world. So thank you so much, Nikki. That brings everybody onto the same page with what Alpha is, which it's amazing. I've been on Alpha. I've led Alpha. It's it's incredible. And we've seen just millions of people come to faith in Christ, which is exceptional. And then COVID hits and you can't meet in person. So you're in lockdown. What happens next? So uh, the, the, the time when it, people stopped being willing to come and, and be in, a, in an environment with other people, we had to move it online. But we only had two weeks left of the course we run between Christmas and Easter. So we went online and I was surprised how well it worked. It yeah. worked for me. But we already knew those people. They'd become our friends over right. the last nine weeks. So in, in a sense, it wasn't surprising that you could still have the connections. What I didn't know is, is it going to work with a group of people who've never met each other before? So it was with some trepidation. We said, but we had no alternative. We had to go online. Now, the next course was due to start on the 13th of May, but we finished the course six weeks ago. So we said, let's start straight away. Hmm. Let's, let's not wait. The reason you had to wait to the 13th of May is to get the team together, to organize the food, to have everyone in one place, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But with lockdown, none of that applied. So we said, okay, we'll start. Alpha we ends this Wednesday, we'll start the next Wednesday. And we will start morning and evening with anyone who wants to come. And we'll run a youth alpha at the same time. And then every Wednesday following, we'll start two new courses. So we still have one week to go before we hit the May, May the 13th date. Yes, yeah, as we're recording this, true. And already, I don't know what the figure is now, but a week ago when I last heard, 1,592 people have had registered for our Alpha course. Now, their Alpha course is running all across the country and all around the world. But for our own one, we have never had 1,592 people. What would you typically get if you were doing this physical, as you were planning, what would a typical Alpha have been? A lot of people. We do get like six or 700 guests typically. Um, and we get the biggest course. Is sometimes, we might have 1,000 people maximum in the in the one in in the fall in like September course. So you've seen fifty percent growth immediately at a time where you wouldn't normally do it. At least that, because we've still got another another few days to go, and and I'm sure it's way past fifteen ninety two now um, because there are people already. Oh yeah, fifteen ninety two. You're right. So it's more than double. Sorry, more than double. Already more than double. Yeah, way more than double where it would be at this stage. Fine. And I I'm always in a small group. Yeah. I have this that my ninetieth small group in a row, Pippa and I, 90th small group. In that's the thing that blew me apart because you think about something that's impacted, blew me away, I should say, not blew me apart, but blew me away. Uh, 20 million people globally. And I just kind of assumed that you probably used to do Alpha in the 90s or early 2000s. But you and Pippa, I think when we met last year in London, you were on your what consecutive Alpha? It was incredible. Like how, how many have you done personally? Well, this is, this is our 90th, it's our first online but our 90th course in a row. The way it, those 1,592 1, people will be divided, like each of them, 
eight, 10 of those will be with two hosts and two helpers. So we're the helpers in the group. Um, and actually in our group, we've got a total of 16 people on the, uh, in this group. First night, what is astonishing is only one of those people would be on the course, but for COVID-19. All the others said, all the others said, I'm here because I've got more time. I'm here because I'm starting to think about some of the big questions. I'm here because it's online. There's a mother, a young mother. She's got a two-year-old and a three-month-old. She couldn't be, she would never have turned up at the church. So we've got all these people who would never have done Alpha but for COVID-19 and also would never have done Alpha if it wasn't online. So that's, that's what has fascinated me. So Matthew Neville, when he started as a CEO way back in um, three and a half years ago, he said to me, my three priorities are governance, finance, and digital. And I said to him, governance, really important. Finance, really important. And I just didn't really comment on digital because I thought that's going to be a waste of your time. But I <laughs> You're the new CEO. I can't interfere in what you want to do because I don't want to disempower you. So I didn't actually say anything. But in my heart, I thought you're wrong. But actually, he was right. And I could not have been more wrong because he built, has built a platform so that this can run right across the world. And what we're hearing now is stories all across the world where the numbers are way up on anything they've done previously. In fact, John Tyson in New York is running, starting a new course every day because he's got so many people registering. So this is not just about London or about HTB. This is about churches all around the UK, but also all around the world. Everyone is finding this factor that they're getting more people. So, so the numbers are up. But then it works so much better online. I mean, this is uh, totally mystifying to me. Because wasn't part of the meal and the physical presence, like I've heard you cast vision for Alpha and you're like, you have to have the meal, right? Yeah, exactly. That's why I said it just won't work online. I just couldn't imagine it working online. But yes, you don't have the meal together, but that's a disadvantage. But that disadvantage is more than outweighed by all the advantages. So what are the advantages of Alpha Online? Everyone's in their own home. They're relaxed. They've got their, cup of, their own cup of tea they've made, just how they like it. They've got their own, you know, they're sitting on their own sofa. They don't have to travel. They don't have to get on public transport or drive to a venue. And most Alphas run in a home. We run it in the church because of the numbers, but most of them run in a home. But it's still a barrier. You've got to go into it. We've got two Muslims in our group. Really hard for them to arrive at a church. Hmm. So th- you haven't got to travel. At the end of the, start, the evening, instead of starting at 7, starts at 7.30. Instead of ending at 9.15, it ends at 9. It's shorter. And when you end, they don't have to get on a bus or a tube to get, get home or get in a car and drive home. They're home. It's so relaxed. And if they don't like it, all they have to do is leave the Zoom call, <laughs> leave meeting. That's all they have to do, and they're out of it. Um, so it's 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 so much easier for them. It's so much more accessible for them. Then the conversation works better. 
Well, the start of every, I don't know whether you do this in the course, of, but we always play the name game to learn everybody's name. We just mm -hmm. play this game where you can learn everyone's name. You don't have to do that. As you know, with a Zoom, your name comes up. Carrie comes up. So, <laughs> so you know, they can say, look, as Carrie was saying, um, you know, that was such an interesting point Carrie made. I never thought about that. That is so true. Right from day one, they're using each other's names. And even with the name game, they were never confident enough that they'd remember the name to say it. Whereas with Zoom, they can look at the screen and they can see the name and they can use each other's names. And that forms a connection. Then there is this extraordinary thing, which, again, I would never have predicted. In fact, I would have predicted the exact opposite. They're more open online than they are in person. Wow. Right from day one, people were being honest, open. I don't know what it is, whether it's kind of less threatening because, you know, you don't think you, you'll ever necessarily see them again or, or what it is. But they were right from the, right from the beginning saying, I'm, I'm a narcotics anonymous or I'm doing this or I'm uh, or this is the talking very openly about their personal circumstances. And therefore, the relationships within the group formed so quickly. And the questions, I mean, it was just amazing the first night the questions they asked we always go around the first night and we say if it turned out there was a god after all and you could ask one question what question would you ask this is the question i'd ask of god where on earth have you been hmm. why have you allowed all this to happen then what happens when we die will i see my grandmother will we meet again and then you know what's the point of what's what, what's the point of all this pain and suffering? What's its purpose? What are we to learn from it? I mean, they were just such profound questions. So they went deep, right? Like session one, session two. Yeah, I mean, this, the questions were so... In fact, I, I, then, I then took those as the titles of my next two talks. You know, I took the, the first question, God, where on earth have you been? Uh, as, a, as a sort of cover that subject of, of why, why has God allowed this? And, that, and, and, and also the, the questions about what happens when we die. Will I see my grandmother? As, so I did Good Friday. I did um, God, where on earth have you been? Answer hanging on a cross. Uh, and uh, will I see my grandmother? Easter. Uh -huh. Resurrection. You know, we will meet again in the air. We will be reunited. So, but it's, it's it, I mean, of every small group, as you know, Gary, is, is endlessly fascinating and enriched by these extraordinary conversations about the most important questions, which they don't get the chance to ask in any other setting. You can't go down, you know, it's, it's hard. Where do you do it in the, after a football match? You get your, or whatever, soccer or baseball or whatever, say, say you know, what happens when we die? Yeah. You know, that is just, you, you don't get to ask those questions. Well, and you've got, uh, I mean, decades of experience and personally, 90 groups under your belt. So this is, you've, you've actually got some good A-B comparisons on your hands. A couple of questions for you to drill down on that, because that is one of the chief objections I hear all the time to pastors and church leaders who are resistant to go online, or frankly, business leaders who think you have to be in the room to make an impact, right? When would typically that level of questioning come up in a physically present alpha? Like, would that be halfway through the course? Would that be toward the end? When, when would those questions come up? And then the other thing I would ask, the sub-question under that is, do questions this deep typically come up? 
in in-person alpha? Just curious to compare the two. Well, the questions asked the first night are, I mean, they're, they're, they're not so dissimilar from the questions that would be asked. I think it's not so much that the questions are different, but the level of openness uh, and um, willingness to talk openly. Um, and also the dropout rate. We, we've, only yeah. lost, we've only lost one person. Uh, and it's the, so next Wednesday will be week seven, and then we'll have the weekend. And the weekend will be, and I don't know how that's going to work, because the weekend we're going to do in two and a half hours on a Saturday morning. And that's still to be, uh, 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 you'll have to ask me in two weeks' time. I will. I will. We'll find out. I don't know. I have no idea. And I, um, but all I know is that at the weekend, we pray for people to experience the Holy Spirit. And I've discovered from Sunday online, because I pray that prayer every Sunday online, come Holy Spirit. And I know that the Holy Spirit is not surprised by COVID-19, nor is the Holy Spirit limited by distance. So that we pray that prayer, come Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes in people's homes. People you know, will get healed on, the, on our, our Alpha weekend. People will experience the love of God powerfully through the Holy Spirit in their hearts on the weekend. That I'm confident of. I don't know how the details will work because we haven't done it yet. And I don't really like to talk. You know, it's just, uh, there's a verse in, in 1 Kings 21, which I often think about, which says, he... he who puts his armor on should not boast like him who takes it off. Mm. And I was thinking, you know, I'll, I'll talk about what, what's happened. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say what's going to happen because I don't right. know. That's fair. That's up but to God. I, yeah. What I can tell you is the, the course online works brilliantly. We, and we, we've only lost one person at week six. Week yeah. So normally you have a little bit of a dropout rate, like a lot of people do. Yeah. I mean, you have anything from, I've had a group where last night there's just me left. I think I've even lost Pippa by then. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's, that's, that was, that was it. Total. But I wonder, you know, if that is like, you mentioned some really practical things that you don't think about, but it's childcare, it's traffic, it's, I'm tired after work. I got to leave my house. I'm not feeling great. Like I wonder, you know, because we always think, oh, was the content bad or was this bad? But there's an awful lot of life issues that do tend to get in the way. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's not just that we've only lost one person, but the attendance rate each evening has been far higher than it would be on a normal alpha course. Yeah. So last week we had, we had the one person who I think has dropped out, although you never know. He, had, he, he came the first two weeks and we haven't seen him since. So whereas I'm assuming he's dropped out. He may not have done. Sometimes that happens and then they come back on week seven or eight and surprise us. But um, uh, it, it would appear that one has dropped out, but there was one who didn't come last week. One, one of the ones who, who are from a Muslim faith, but she sent a, a note saying she couldn't make it, but she had watched the um, the talk online. Hmm. She was able to, to watch the talk, which was why and how should I pray? And she sent in her comments on it. She's, wow. She she said she loved the bit about the 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 people's determination. Sorry, it wasn't the prayer. It was one on the Bible last week. Uh, the week before was on prayer. So it was the one on why, why and how should I read the Bible? And she, she, she loved the talk, basically. And uh, she said why she loved the talk. So it was amazing. And I think that's the thing, again, because normally we'd have live talks. This time we're using the Alpha Film Series. 
And I think that makes it also a lot easier. It's kind of standardizes it. And it means if people do miss, can't be there for some reason, they can watch the material and therefore they can kind of catch up with the others. So what you're discovering with online is that um, connection is deeper. People are calling each other by name. What you're discovering is people are open a lot sooner. Um, engagement seems to be deeper, which is a deep critique of online. It's like, well, are you really watching? Are you really listening? Um, and people appear to be, and they are. your dropout rate is lower than decades of experience across thousands of venues. And that's really <laughs> fascinating. Um, I, I also heard you talk with Shayla Visser, our mutual friend, a little bit about uh, something happening with the marriage course. You also have the Alpha Marriage course. And uh, marriage has been a big subject. Like things are not going particularly well. And when you're in lockdown, um, it, it all gets revealed, right? So can you tell us a little bit about what's happening with the marriage course? Yeah, so the marriage course is, um, is designed for anyone who's married, basically. It's not just for people whose marriage are sort of struggling. Right, right, right. Yeah. But it's for everybody. We've done it before in a different, a different version of it. And I've always said to our congregation, I recommend everybody does it. But actually, Pippa and I are going to do it again. In fact, we started this morning. <laughs> we did the first session of the marriage course with the Lees. And it was fantastic. We absolutely loved it. And we're going to tonight. So because it's a bank holiday here in, in England today. Ah. So. So, so that gave us the opportunity to do it this morning. And then this evening, we're going to do the second session. And mm. it's designed to be done once a week. Um, but uh, we, we, we were a bit behind, so we, we decided to catch up. So the marriage course, it's a seven-week course on communication, forgiveness, in-laws, finances, sex. It's just all, all the kind of issues that any marriage can be enriched in these areas. So Nikki and Silla Lee have perfected it. Uh, millions of people, have done, I don't know, maybe a couple of million people have done it around the world. And they made, they've just completed the film series, the new film series of The Marriage Course. So typically, they would get 80 to 100 couples. Again, it runs in churches all over the UK or around the world. But on our course, typically, they would have 80 to 100 couples. At the last count, they have over 5,000 couples. Wow. In course. So, wow. So, I mean... I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? You're in lockdown. You're locked in with your husband or your, your, your husband or your wife, and you can either argue more or you can do the marriage course. <laughs> right, right. Enrich your marriage. So five, over 5,000 couples on our course, let alone the ones that are running in different places, different countries, yeah, yeah. are doing it. And they have also run a pre-marriage course, and they've got 500 couples on that. So it's um, amazing to see the... Again, or the way that online makes it so much easier for people. And we, Pippa and I could never have done the marriage course because it's a Monday night and our Monday nights are always church meetings of one sort or another. Right. And so we just could not ever have done the marriage course. But right now, because it's online, we can do it. And we absolutely loved it this morning. We had a great time doing it. We're really looking forward to doing sessions two to seven. Got a few more questions for you, Nikki. I'd love to toggle back to um, Church Online, HTB Online at your locations. Uh, Ken Costa and I, I tuned in on on one or two uh, services after Ken mentioned it to me, but you were doing uh, some different experimentation with that. Do you want to talk about what you're learning um, two months into Church Online? Uh, well, we are 
just at the start. I mean, our friends who run Audacious, Glenn and Sophia Barrett, they've been doing it for five years and they're way down the track. We're just starting. I, I think this is what I've learned so far. We, we've, we've swung. We, we've had services that are as short as 42 minutes and we've had one that was an hour and 10 minutes. My own feeling now is we, we're pitching at under an hour, but not that much under an hour. So around about 55 minutes in length. Second thing I think we've learned. Oh, oh, wait, what, what's underneath that 55 minutes in length? What's... It, it's, it's nothing. No, there's no sort of scientific data. It's just I think we felt the 42 minutes was too short. People were saying that we settled down to go to, to, go to church and it ended after 42 minutes. Okay. And now in 10 minutes, just, I just think that's just like... Just drags a little bit, yeah. It didn't, I didn't find it dragged, but people didn't say it dragged, but I just felt actually last week we were 59 minutes and I thought that is exactly right. Maybe okay. between 55, 59 minutes, just under an hour. Second thing is we tried having 15 minutes of worship and then we had tried having virtually no worship. And... Um, uh, and my own feeling is you need about three songs of worship, but not all together. So uh-huh. you, need, you need them split up. Um, the talk we've tried, like, um, uh, actually the talk this Sunday will only be six minutes long, but, but we've tried um, in like seven minutes, 20, 25 minutes. I think we'll probably pitch at like 12 to 15 minutes for the, the input. Uh, and then I think you just need to have lots of different things. So we have, we have a feature on Love Your Neighbour because what, we pivoted in five different ways after the lockdown. So we pivoted to, to Sunday Online as being the, the, the priority and aiming it totally at people outside of the church. We mm-hmm. decided there'd be enough material out there for people who are going to church, but we were going to pitch it to people who don't go to church. So that's our Sundays Online. Alpha Online was the second thing. We pivoted to that. Third thing we pivoted to was love your neighbor, a practical response to, to feed the hum- to set up food banks, to deliver food to people who couldn't get food, to deliver medicines to people who couldn't get medicines, to make sure that people who are isolated got regular phone calls, to make sure that doctors and nurses who were working 12-hour shifts had hot food delivered to the hospitals. Hmm. So we, we set up a, 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 um, an initiative called Love Your Neighbor, and with all our church plants and we got a lot of church plants around London and across the country and we're all running this initiative and we're literally hundreds of thousands of meals and um, connections across. So that was another way in which we pivoted. Then we also pivoted to do stuff for, for, for youth and then to empower the congregation. So, hmm. so in part of our service every week is an update on what's happening with Love Your Neighbour. I, I, this Sunday, I'm going to read a letter from, from, from a 49-year-old man who's severely disabled, who said that he was, he, he was so desperate because he'd run out of food. He was, the only thing, he was drinking water and sucking the, the juice out of old tea bags. That's all he had left. And he'd rung, he'd rung, he'd rung all the different organizations. And everybody, every phone call he made, they passed him on to something, someone else. Mm. And the, he rang the police. And the police said, contacted one of our church plants in Preston, uh, where we just planted a church. And they, because they're, they're, they're doing this, they went to where they keep all the food that they're delivering 
and they had every item you needed and you needed very specialized things because he was disabled. And um, so they, they put all those things and then um, they asked him, would you, would you like some milk? And he just wept. He said, I, 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 never, I, I never thought I'd get that. He said, I thought I was just going to, I, I thought I'd been forgotten and I thought I was going to die alone. And you just think, if it was just for that guy, you know, this is so worthwhile to reach these people who are, who are alone. So we feature each week in our service, like I read the letter that, uh, from, about that guy. And then we'll have a report from some of the people, people who are getting their, their medicines from, uh, or chemists who are saying, thank you so much that you're helping us to deliver our medicines to people who can't, can't, can't reach them. So we have a, and this Sunday is going to be particularly devoted to loving, loving your neighbor. Um, okay. So, but we have, so we always have a, like a feature on that. And then I'll always do an interview. This Sunday, I'm interviewing a couple who are in one of our church locations is on what I think they call in America, uh, uh, what do they call them? We call them estates. It's like urban projects on a project. Oh yeah, project, yeah. On a project. Um, so he, he has he and his wife have gone to live on a project. Actually, he was born on a project. His father jumped off the tower of the World's End Estate when he was six, committed suicide. Um, and he, he, he thought he had absolutely no future. His ambition was to stock shelves in a supermarket, but he couldn't get a job. But through, the, through something that we set up on, on his own at that project, he encountered Jesus. And then he came to work for the church um, as a verger, which is kind of like a janitor. Okay. Um, um, and um, he did that for six or seven years. And I said to him, because he's an outstanding guy, and he married my, someone who was working as my PA, um, and who's a phenomenal young woman. Mm. And now they are getting ordained in the Church of England. He's going to be a Church of England vicar. He's wow. uh, two-thirds of the way through his training. Uh, he's 30. He's, I'm a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Um, and they are living on this project. They're living right next to the church. As their house is attached to the church, um, and he's been living there now for two years. And that church has grown. You know, like it had 13 people when he started, and it's now has about 100 people. Um, but they will re. They will, when this reopens, they will not be able to get the people in the building because they yeah. are. They are reaching hundreds of people. They every. Every Thursday, they're delivering these food, for, which enough food for seven days to hundreds of people on that estate. And, and he's getting to know everyone on the estate because they're all coming to the church because they're a food bank. That's what they've turned into. The church building wow. is no longer for, uh, it is now a production center for food for the community. So I'm interviewing him and his wife about what they're doing on the estate. So that's part of it. That will be like 12 minutes. And then we've got a young, another one, a young woman who's training for ordination. She's, she's 30. She's going to be wearing a hat when she speaks. She's really cool. She was a model before. She worked <laughs> in, the, in the film industry. Um, but from a very broke, she's had a really broken background. She's had to be careful how to say it because they're often now families watching it. We've, we've realized we've got to be much more careful about the language we use. Because you can't... Right. Everybody could be watching. You can't... Yeah. So she was going to talk about abuse. But what she's had to say is that, you know, there's some, some bad things were done to her without her consent. So, you know, that could... For a child, that could mean her to toy was stolen. Um, right. And an adult right. listening will understand what that means. 
So we've had to alter the language a bit for uh, because of the families watching. But so she's also getting ordained, and and she's never spoken at H at HCB before. She's doing her first talk. That's amazing. And, um, and I spent like an hour and a half with her on the phone, just working on it. She's done a number of versions. It's like a TED talk. You just do it over and over again until you get it right. Uh, so we've worked on it all this week and uh, had the final version, which was only six minutes long. It's brilliant. It's on Shadrach. It's on, it's on being in. Her title is There's Another in the Fire. Oh. It's brilliant that, that, you know, she went through all this fire in her life. Uh, all the trials that she went through, people in lockdown, may you may feel you're in the fire, but there's another in the fire. Jesus is in the fire with you. And then she, um, and then she turns it around to say, now there's a fire in her belly. So that the bad things that can happen to you during lockdown can actually become the energy within you at the end of it. Uh, and she's got tattooed on her arm, fire, which is oh, what, wow. she, which, what she had tattooed after she, someone prayed for her to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And she experienced the fire of the Holy Spirit. So it's all in six minutes, but it's like, uh, it's dynamite. It's, it's powerful. So that's, this is our service for Sundays. You know, what I didn't tell you is I sent you a bunch of questions. I've got 16 other questions that I didn't send you, which I wrote on the ride back from London, which uh, we'll have to wait for another day. Because uh, I'd love to, this, this, is, this is what I'm thinking about, like for you to lead such a global movement in a large church, H2B is a very large church, and to do it so well, but also to really have the heart of a pastor and be so minutely involved in some of the details is, I would love to unpack that one day because I just want to acknowledge that, that that's very rare. Sometimes people only see dashboards, they only see trends, but uh, your heart that got you into ministry is something that's still beating really strong. A couple more questions in the few minutes we have left, um, Nikki, just quickly. But you mentioned a couple times that you pivoted to church online for outsiders. So has that done anything to your insiders? Are people going, whoa, you changed the program or what happened to our church or uh, any any comments on that? Because I love that pivot, but I would just love to know what uh, what you're seeing or feeling about that. Well, the honest truth is we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not getting angry letters every day. Uh, 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 well, I, I see that we're a startup. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. all we are. We're a startup. When this happened, I said, I said to this is what I said to, to our leadership team. I said, look, this is not a moment to retreat. This is the moment to see the kingdom of God advance because God used the worst thing in human history, which was the cross, for, to be the greatest triumph. So we're going to believe that God is going to use this. So we are going to advance. So that is, and this is what we're going to do. So my, my leadership style totally changed because I'm always like very consultative and, da -da -da, and, and in a crisis, you can't lead like that. No. You don't have time to consult. You just have to be very decisive and it doesn't, even if you're wrong, you've got to be decisive. So I, I said, this is what we're going to do. These are the, these are, we're going to, we, we're thinking of this in four phases. There's going to be crisis, then there's going to be grief, then there's going to be the new normal, and then there's going to be exit. And we're right now, we're in crisis. And in the crisis, I can't, I can't consult. I'm just going to, this is what we're going to do. And we started actually with four priorities, and then we moved eventually to five. When I say eventually, like about 10 days later, which was seems like 10 years later. But but so, so we, we pivoted very fast. And so we went for the people but on the basis that so many people would be look, trying to look after the, the Christians. That there's so much material being produced for the church. 
you want material for the church, you can get it. But we're going to go for people outside of the church because this is our moment. This is the opportunity to reach people outside of the church. So are the congregations happy? I don't know. I'm just assuming we've lost our entire congregation on day one because who knows? Now you can go to any church. If you want to, you could, you could go to a church in Australia. Yeah. You, who knows where, where everyone's gone? We don't know. But we, the church leadership, I know, are absolutely thrilled. And the, oh, when, when we have our, like our, our lay leadership meetings, we've never had so much positive feedback about wow. it. Um, so we know that. And then we are, of course, we are trying to empower the whole congregation. Apart from anything else, we desperately need the entire congregation because we've never needed more he- uh, leaders and hosts on Alpha. The thing about the marriage course is you don't, you don't need any hosts. It's just couples doing it on their own. So 5,000 couples, there's no limit. We can have 100,000 couples. Mm. With Alpha, with 1,592 people, each of those have got to be in groups of 10, which means we need a lot of hosts and helpers. But that is empowering the congregation to lead. They're all learning through that experience. With Love Your Neighbor, we have hundreds of volunteers who are out on the streets delivering food all around London to people who are in, in desperate need. So, we're, And then we're mobilizing lots of people to lead small groups in the church because people really need connection. So there's a huge amount of mobilization taking place. And I'm hoping we will still have some congregation left at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing our best to look after them. Um, certainly more people are watching online, but I don't take too much from that because you don't know where they're watching from time and how many right. others they're watching online or what. That's a very, um, you know, that I, I'm not sure we can take too much from that. I, I think in some ways, the smaller churches have the advantage, I think, in the current situation. If you've got a church of 30 people, you can look after each of those 30 people. You can ring them every day mm-hmm. or certainly every week. You can ring all 30 of those people see how they are make sure their needs are met but if you have a larger church uh, and a few quite a few people it's much harder to do that because you're inevitably operating through a delegated system of small group leaders and you you of course you try and make it work as well as possible you try and look after your small group leaders and so on but you don't actually know what's happening to all those people you only know very indirectly so i i, I hope we're I hope they're all right. <laughs> hope, hope there's a few people left at the end of it. I love your heart. I absolutely love it. And I, I just think that's the best answer to that question. Okay, hypothetical final question. Tomorrow, COVID disappears from the earth. You can go back to the way things were. We'll have a celebration. We would have a big celebration. We, are, we hug our children and we see our grandchildren. We hug them. We celebrate. So after the celebration... You can go back to the way things were. Are you going to, what's going to be different? And what, like, you're going to keep church online? What what have you learned in this crisis that you're like, no, we're hanging on to this and we're not going back to the way it was? Or is it going back? In a YouGov, a YouGov survey in the UK, only 9% of people said they wanted things to go back to how they were before. Mm. Why? Because we've tasted something better. We can see the skies in London. I've never seen them so blue. Hmm. There are no aeroplanes. We can hear the birds. When I go for my walk in Hyde Park, people smile. 
<laughs> say hello to me. People I've seen for years say hello. That people are, are getting to know their neighbours, their kindness. We, we go out every Thursday evening and we clap the National Health Service. Uh. So the world has changed. We've tasted something better. And we've also seen the potential to, for a nation to pay a cost for a few. Mm. So, yes, of course, you know, we're not going to go back. We'll, we'll keep doing Alpha Online. We'll keep, it'll be a mixed economy. We'll keep running, we'll have services on Sunday. We'll, we'll have Alpha in person, but we'll keep doing it online. But my real hope is that the world will be different. Mm. That the priorities of the world will be different post-COVID-19. Because what we have seen is that because this affects not just the poor, but also the rich. And by the rich, I don't mean like millionaires. Mm -hmm. I mean anyone who owns a bicycle, for example. Yes. You're rich. If you, have, if you have a roof over your head, if you can eat, if you don't have to worry about having enough food every day, you're rich. Mm -hmm. So this, this disease affects not just the poor, but it affects the rich. And therefore, we are saying lockdown. We don't, we don't want people to die. We, and quite rightly, we're going to pay a cost for this. But let, and as a result, we've, we've been able to control it and reduce the number of deaths. But what that demonstrates is if you pay a price, you can save lives. So what price to save the fact that 25,000 people die every day of starvation, 8,500 of those are children? Put those faces on our front page every day and say you could save these children's lives. What about clean water? What about sanitation? What about homelessness? What about climate change? Are we prepared to pay a price to save people's lives? And I think I, what I hope will emerge out of this is, yes, we'll go back to business. And we'll go back to school. We'll go back to Alpha Online, Alpha in person. We'll go back to church in person. But what I really hope is that our world will wake up to the fact that things can be different. The prayer that we're praying, I think, with uniting with, with millions of Christians around the world, hundreds of thousands of churches, is 2 Chronicles 7.14. And the context of that, as you know, is 2 Chronicles 7.13, which says, when there's a plague. Now, the, it's the most Google word in China, because the same word for plague and pandemic in Chinese. So when they Google the word pandemic, what comes up is 2 Chronicles 7.13. When there's a pandemic, this is what's to happen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. And that's what I'm hoping, praying, that will emerge out of this is a healed land. Now, all those things, homelessness. In London, we put all the homeless into hostels. But why can't we do that in normal times? Mm. We can, so, but... What is that word healing? As you know, the same Greek word for healing and salvation. So what we want to see is God's salvation on our land. That means dealing with homelessness, hunger, preventable disease. But it also means healing people's souls. And that's people coming to encounter Jesus. That's why we have swung. Why, that's why we've pivoted everything we do to try and reach people outside the church with the good news of Jesus. Because if they encounter Jesus, they will be healed. And mm. enough people come to Jesus and um, start serving him in the kingdom of God, 
then our land will be healed. And that's what we're praying, that God will heal our land. Nikki, wow. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I am so grateful for this. And uh, if we get to do a round two, I will be very anxious to see how this startup called Holy Trinity Brompton that meets in a 19th century facility and has been around for hundreds of years is doing and how the land is healed and how online alpha and in-person and online services and in-person services are working in the future. This has been inspiring. We didn't even get into you as a, also a former uh, lawyer. Uh, I wanted to, at some point love to ask you about your law, all that training. And I just so appreciate you. Uh, do, if you haven't checked out the one-year Bible on version. Uh, it is the plan that I use. Craig Rochelle, who you mentioned, I think that's in his plan for the last few years. And if people want to know about more about you or about Alpha, where can they find you online, Nikki? Oh goodness! I'm, I I I where, where, I don't know what you. Uh. Oh, you're on Instagram, so let me tell you that. Like, I'm going to look you up right now, okay? Because I do follow you. But where's what about Alpha? Uh, it's um, there. You go. You're just Nikki Gumbel. That's it. Just G U M B E L, and a great follow on Instagram. Um, there's yeah. I mean, Alpha is. Um, I think if you if you Google just Google Alpha, yeah. Will you Google HCB? I imagine that's how you get to our. I'm not very good at that sort of thing. Anyway, <laughs> Nikki, I'm sure if you Google, Google's very good. How about we link to everything in the show notes? That's a really, really good plan. Nikki, this has been an absolute joy. Thank you so much for being oh, on the podcast okay. it's today. It's so lovely to see you again. I think Zoom is amazing because, you know, we, we do really feel we've, we've met, even though you're yeah, a long yeah. way. And we, we don't have to come to England. I don't have to come to Canada, but we can meet. So that's one of the great advantages of this. It is. Thank you so much, Nikki. Lovely to see you, Kerry. Thank you so much. God bless. Well, I love that conversation with Nikki. And uh, hey, we got a gift for you because you've listened right through to the end. If you head on over to alpha.org forward slash Kerry, you'll receive a summary report of Alpha and Barna's study called Reviving Evangelism with a number of factors curbing many Christians' enthusiasm for sharing their faith, including the decline of religion in America and the West and apathy. Where does that leave evangelism? So you'll discover some fascinating findings around the number of millennials who say it's wrong to evangelize and what non-Christians look for when wanting to talk about their faith. So just head on over to alpha.org forward slash carry to get that. Of course, we'll link to it in the show notes. We have show notes in all the usual places, including transcripts of this interview. You can get that at carrynewhoff.com slash episode 342. But to save yourself time, just head on over to alpha.org forward slash carry to get that free report. And thank you to Alpha International and to the Barna Group for offering that. We so appreciate that. I've also got one more thing coming up on this episode, and that is the What I'm Thinking About segment at the very end. And I'm going to talk about why online attendance numbers now seem to be dropping. They were rising rapidly and now they're not. Why is that? Well, we'll look at that because obviously there's a future in online. So next episode though, we've got Scott Harrison from Charity Water and I have been doing everything I can over the last few months to pick the brains of leaders I trust and respect about what they think is going to happen next and hence the podcast over the last few months, right? As we pivoted into this. And Scott Harrison has probably... Uh, the most stark view of the future of any leader I've talked to, and I think it's absolutely worth listening to. Here's an excerpt from the June 2nd episode. Some of it is gut. Some of it is just just the feeling of Hmm. where it's going and how it's going to play out. Um, It was the gut that, you know, 
caused us to close our office the first week of March. So that is that is definitely a part of it. I would say then it's kind of trying out that hypothesis on dozens and dozens of smart people. So I've probably had 60 conversations with CEOs, CMOs, uh, entrepreneurs, our donors, and I'm asking them. I'm like, here's how I'm thinking about it. How are you thinking about it? Am I wrong? Should I be more bullish? Should I be more optimistic? And what I'm hearing from all of them is no. So that's coming up next time. And I think it's absolutely worth listening to. Hey, we have seen a ton of new listeners show up. I just can't believe it. We had 100,000 downloads in a single week alone a couple weeks ago. And a lot of you are telling your friends, inviting your friends. Thank you for that. And uh, thank you also for partnering with our partners as we move into the What I'm Thinking About segment. Just a reminder, if you haven't yet booked a free strategy session with ProMediaFire, go to promediafire.com forward slash church growth and please register for the Craft and Character event with myself, Steve Carter, Hosanna Wong, Darius Daniels. Uh, it's live, it's interactive, it's not a whole bunch of talking heads with a talk they've given before. Uh, but you need to do that fast because it's coming up on June 4th. So go to craftandcharacter.org. So what am I thinking about? I am thinking about why your online attendance numbers are dropping. So David Kinneman and I do a weekly check-in on my other podcast called The Church Pulse Weekly. And at one point, we had noticed in some weekly polling they were doing, 59% of churches were saying their church is growing over their normal attendance. And now only 29% of church leaders report their attendance is higher than it would normally be. In other words, 71% say it's now flat or lower. So why is that? Well, I want to suggest five reasons. Number one, you know, in the first days of the crisis, online church was novel. A lot of churches went online or suddenly it was the only thing people could do. And the novelty is now wearing off for your congregation. Now, don't give up, okay? It's like, you know, podcasting came along in what, 2006? I mean, somebody's going to email me and tell me that date is wrong. But here we are all these years later, podcasting, and it's really still an emerging field. So online will be a similar way. And just because the novelty of online church is wearing off for people doesn't mean there isn't a great long-term potential. So just know it's probably a novelty thing. But then think about this, the second reason, the novelty is wearing off for you as a leader. Let's be honest, I don't always feel like recording these podcasts, okay? <laughs> like, I'm just going to be truthful with you, Okay. The novelty is wearing off. I've been doing this for five years, week in and week out. But I know that this makes a difference. And there are days where I absolutely can't wait to do this. And then there are days where it's like, oh yeah, I got to go record another segment, okay? That's what online church is going to be. It means if you're doing some kind of online Bible study or prayer group, or you're just offering some value to people, the novelty wears off. And you know what we do as leaders? We just kind of walk away from that stuff. Uh, well, when you lose interest in something, don't be surprised that your congregation does. So for example, in podcasting, I get asked all the time because our podcast has done fairly well, what are the keys to success? And I'm like, consistency, just never miss a Tuesday. So we're five and a half years, well, five years, almost six years into this, we've never missed a Tuesday delivery. Now, sometimes that was three o'clock in the morning when we figured out what the glitch was, but uh, we never missed a Tuesday and you need consistency. So if you're gonna do something online, be consistent. Make it part of your job. Number three, I think this is a big one. You're over-focused on reopening. As a friend of mine said to me recently, he said, reopening our church is far more complicated than closing it was, the in-person services. And he's right. Um, so, But here's the reality. As much as you want to get back into your building, and America and the world are reopening right now, 
there are a lot of people who aren't coming back. Some of them because of their age may not come back. Some of them with kids because we don't know how to do kids ministry yet may not come back. And then some, as data is increasingly showing, just don't want to come back. It's like, I'm going to do church online forever. So if you are pouring all your energy into reopening and you neglect online, it will show in the numbers. Uh, I just find as a leader, what you focus on expands. And if you're passionate about it, people tend to be passionate about it. Number four, you've stopped experimenting. So the innovation that happened in the first few months of lockdown wasn't really innovation. It was adaptation. And uh, you've just stopped experimenting. A lot of churches, they tried all kinds of new things. And then after about three or four weeks, they said, okay, this is what we're doing for online. Listen, that is a death knell. So I've got this 30-day pivot thing that uh, you can still get. You can get that indefinitely, but the pricing is good today and tomorrow. But um, I'll tell you, we have pivoted numerous times on this podcast. So let me just walk you through some of that. Pivot number one was to take all the spring shows and push them into the summer and just talk about crisis. So at first we didn't see a big jump, but then all of a sudden there was a spike and we hit 80,000 um, listens in a week. Then we did another week and we saw 90,000. And then recently, like last week, we came within 13 downloads of 100,000 listens in a week. We've never seen that kind of traffic on this show. And what was that? That was a pivot. Now that was a lot of work from me. Uh, and it was a kind of a longer obedience in the same direction. We've seen a similar thing with the email list that I have. So uh, we have been trying to get more people to subscribe by email. And we did some pivots and some experiments. And at first, first pivot, we saw like, I think it was 100% growth. Then the second pivot, where we tried a new strategy, we saw 400% growth. And then we tried a brand new thing. And uh, I'll tell you about it at some point, but we don't have the time today. Uh, and the third pivot produced a thousand percent increase. I'm like, what just happened? See, that's the power of innovation. When you just say, oh, well, we pivoted, we're done. No, 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 no. That's why I'd love for you to embrace the 30-day pivot. If you haven't checked it out, make sure you head on over to the30daypivot.com and check that out. I'd love to give you the framework that we use. We've used it. Other organizations are starting to use it. And I'll tell you, it can produce exponential results. So you haven't really started innovating yet. That's a fourth insight. And then number five, you haven't fully figured out how to help people yet. Why do people listen to podcasts? Why do people read emails? Why do people watch videos? I'll give you the answer because it helps them. If you're not helping them, if you're all about you, uh, they're not going to listen. So if you want to grow an audience, grow your ability to help people. The key to sustained, meaningful online growth, I think with integrity, is help people. And yeah, you can get some growth hacks or you can buy a list or you can hire a marketer and that will get you a little boost, but it's not going to be a long-term play. And the reason you want to continue to invest online is remember, online ministry scales in a way that in person ministry doesn't. So again, I've been in lockdown like everybody, but two and a half months into it, I think I would have spoken to 10 to 15,000 people live. Uh, but because I have been uh, holed up in my studio, in my home, and we pivoted, we've now reached probably an additional million people than we would have reached otherwise, simply because we've tried some new things. So anyway, that's sort of why I think online attendance numbers are dropping. Uh, those are the five reasons. Uh, I would love to see you keep experimenting and make sure you check out the 30-day pivot before the price goes up. It's at the 30daypivot.com. Hey, we're back real soon with a fresh episode. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. 
Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.